Basketball Manitoba podcast, we have James Bambury. James is the current head coach of the Brandon Bobcats women's program. He's been coaching for over 15 years. His most recent coaching experience was as interim head coach at Queen's University in the 2019-2020 season, where he led the Gales to a 16-8 season and reached the number three national ranking. Prior to that season, he spent seven years as an assistant coach for the Gales. He also coached two seasons as the head coach at Royal Military College, three seasons as head coach of Leeds Metropolitan University and Leeds Carnegie Basketball Club in England. In addition to that, he was an assistant coach with the England University Games team, associate coach of the England Under-18 National Women's team, and head men's development coach at Leeds Metropolitan. He played three years at Queen's University before moving on to coaching. James, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Darcy. So offline, mm-hmm. you know, there's always a little preamble, a little conversation that takes place. And I was saying, I don't know you like at all. <laughs> and I was like, this is going to be interesting because you're super new. I mean, you're, this is, you're not from Manitoba. You're not someone who grew up here. Um, you know, I've interviewed people who were from Manitoba and then now live in other places. So this is the first time I've interviewed someone who's brand new to Manitoba um, and really has no connection as far as I know to Manitoba. So, you know, I guess the, the first question I have is um, what are your first, you know, thoughts? You know, you're living in a small town uh, in, in Manitoba. Uh, you went through your first winter and this is all during a pandemic. So, you know, I don't know, just let me know. What do you think? I, I, firstly, I have to say one, I love the podcast. I love what you guys are doing. I, I have been, you know, a, a listener from, from the jump. So I really appreciate being on it, which is great. Um, now to the winter. No, um, <laughs> I, I, I always joke. I've, I'm a bit of a nomad. So I've traveled around. I've moved over 14 times in my life. Like I've a military brat, right? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm used to different things and different. I, the one thing I will say is the amount of people that keep mentioning, this is the worst winter we have seen in <laughs> I, after, after a while, you're hoping like, I hope this truly is. And you guys aren't just setting me up for something, but uh, no, it's been, it's been fantastic. We really enjoyed it. Uh, as you said, um, kind of the, the smaller town really creates this uh, community feel, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun. Like I'll never forget that someone, my first week in town, someone stopped me on the road and said, Hey, you're the new one's basketball coach. I saw your picture in the paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Which is, yeah, it was really cool. It was uh, it was one of those things that you're just like, oh, like this is awesome. This is yep. this is fun, and and uh, not that it's not the reason why you do it, but it's always nice to be a part of a community that pays attention. Absolutely, absolutely, and like so, like obviously, I have a lot of experience um, playing in Brandon in high school, and I'm playing against Brandon, so going out there when I played in college, uh, coaching when I was coaching. So the one thing about Brandon, and they do have, you know, I mean. I, obviously these last couple of years, maybe not, but the BSSI tournament, super big high school tournament. Awesome. So you go out there for that um, and playing and they really support basketball. Um, and that's a really, really cool thing. And, and it is a really small community, but um, basketball strong, you know, and that's, that's, what's cool. Like, I mean, obviously the, the Bobcats have been there for a while and, and it's a smaller town. So I think that's what I've, the feedback I've gotten from, you know, I just, I've been interviewing what, I think this year, like the fifth, fourth or fifth connection, Brandon connection uh, that we've interviewed so far. And everyone always has like just the fondest memories of, 
um, of, of settling there and just, and, 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 and being in a small town that supports it because most of the people don't grow up there. Uh, yeah. they, they tend to come in and then they stay and like, Oh, it's awesome. They love it here. So, um, I'm, I'm sure again, you're going to have tons more memories moving forward, um, and, and meaningful connections that are made, uh, in Brandon. Um, but you know, now I kind of want to go backwards. You know, we kind of talked about where you are now. How'd you get involved to the game in, in the game of basketball? Who introduced you to it? Um, you said you were kind of a military brat, so you probably, you know, traveling around a lot. Um, how'd you, how'd you, how'd you fall in love with the game? I, I joke with my, with my wife and anyone around me all the time. It, honestly, it's the sound of a bouncing ball. Um, so <laughs> this is quite literally what happened. Uh, leading into my third birthday, I asked for a basketball hoop. And okay. my and I asked my parents why they go, you're always into tall things. Like it was one of those. <laughs> uh, but really what the sound of the basketball represented to me was community, right? Like mm. um, relatively every two years we were on the move. So it would basically be, you would be on the move on the summer. You'd get one summer in that, the, the following summer in that place. And then we'd be on the move the next summer. And so I think the, the, the basketball for me was just the sound of that ball meant like I could look out the window, I'd see someone else who had a connection to me because they had a ball in their hand. Mm-hmm. And so then it would just be like, all right, well, I hear it going this way. So mom, dad, I'll be back ball under my arm. I walk down the road and just find the closest park. No way. So that well, that every single city I ever went to. And, um, so yeah, the sound of the bouncing ball just kept continuing me throughout my, throughout my, my life really. Mm-hmm. And even, even to the point, I might be jumping ahead here, even to the point of when I started coaching. So, yeah. um, I, uh, I finished my time at Queens and then, uh, in a roundabout way, met my wife on a cruise and she was, she's from Pittsburgh. So I decided that I'm going to do my master's in the States to be closer. And I end up at a small, um, a small predominantly female school, Carlo university in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And I was walking through campus one day and I actually heard the ball bouncing. And I'm like, Oh, there's a gym here. Cause they only had women's programs. They didn't have any men's teams. Yeah. Yeah. So I end up walking in and one of their players is sitting there shooting and trying not to be a weirdo standing, watching someone shoot. I just offered to rebound. Yeah. And so I started rebounding for, her and then, Next thing you know, we started talking and I started pushing her through shooting drills that I used to do as a player. And that led me to running their summer program and doing all this kind of stuff. No but yeah, it's quite literally, yeah, the sound of a bouncing basketball has just led me by the nose, I guess, or by the ears, I suppose, throughout my wow. life. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. And and it's, it's funny because the thing that when you were saying, you know, I play basketball, I would hear the ball, I would go and you traveled every every year you'd be moving around. It always reminds me of, you know, I've traveled quite a bit and I have friends that I've obviously met through basketball that have traveled. And that's the one thing, because I've been to places where I like, they didn't speak English. I didn't speak their language, but guess what? I was playing pickup games with them. And now all of a sudden I'm joking with people. I don't even know what they're saying. And they speak a little bit of English, but that's the one thing is the, is, is basketball and like sport generally. But I, I always say that basketball, there's a certain, um, uh, basketball is a little different than other sports. And I mean, I think everyone who's listening to this kind of probably agrees with that. Every sport has its reasons for being different. But the thing about basketball that I like is um, there is this really strong culture around it and, and a love for it because it's like, you can play it by yourself. Like you just saw that person, they're shooting in the gym by themselves. Yeah. And, and yes, you can work on, you know, volleyball spite and all that, but it's not the same. It's just not the same. You're, you're, you're recreating so much of the game when it's just you and a hoop and a ball, you can, you can do so much. Right. And so it's interesting to hear you say that. Cause again, I've had similar experiences like that 
where you're just traveling around and you're just playing basketball. As long as you have a ball and you can play, like you can interact with anybody, make new friends anywhere. And so it's curious how many, and I'm just personal question, how many places have you lived it? Do you know? <laughs> I, I counted one time and I think I've lived in 20, 24, 26 different residences. No way. And these are all in yeah. Canada? No, no. I spent, uh, I spent four years or three years in the UK where we yeah. moved around to multiple places. I spent uh, two different spots in the UK. I've lived in England two different, or sorry, I lived in the U- US two different times. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of different places in Ottawa, Halifax. My father was a, a Navy man who didn't want to go back to sea. So <laughs> basically national, head, uh, national defense headquarters or, or reserve units. Yeah, so yeah. that's where we kind of Halifax to Ottawa back and forth and off, off a lot. So it was, it was really nice. He made the choice not to go, uh, not to go away because mm-hmm. he wanted to be around and be at games and everything else. So mm-hmm. I'm forever grateful for that, that I, I wasn't uh, without him for nine months at a time. But yeah. um, it, awesome. it certainly led to more moving around. Yeah. Yeah. So then like, so, you know, adjusting to, to Brandon, this is easy. This is easy work for you. This is like, uh, oh, it's just every day. This is what I do. <laughs> the number one thing I will say, Day is and you know having watched basketball my whole life and college sports and everything like mm-hmm. they weren't kidding about like in the states where they call it the big sky conference they weren't joking like when i when i go for hikes when i first got here i couldn't help but just keep looking around and be like wow yeah this yeah. is really big <laughs> yeah no kidding that is true hey just the vast yeah. like it's just open um so okay so then you you have a bit of a different upbringing than anyone i've interviewed and i would just say than most people right the other military you know brats or whatever that they, they would understand you but typically people stay in the same place they grow up in the same place and then they develop they 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 find a mentor right or a mentor finds them whatever and then from there those people encourage them to you know get better at the sport or, or commit themselves in a specific way or they teach them things so did you have mentors <laughs> i would i would say um even when they didn't know they were mentors i think i had them Okay. I, I've always been, I've always been a very kind of like all in person. So, so I was, I was one of those, I was one of those people that if my coach was saying, oh, we need to, you need to try this needs to be at a hundred percent, or this needs to be done a yeah. hundred times. I was physically the one trying to do it at a hundred percent at all times at all times. So I think I learned a lot from coaches because I like, I took everything very earnestly. So I was learning as we went, like, I remember those you know, and I, and I, this is probably not the conversation that we, we have, well, definitely not the conversation I have anymore, but like, I'm sure you probably had the hurt, are you hurt or injured conversation? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I viscerally remember those conversations from the age of like eight all the way <laughs> up. So, so I think I, I was probably mentored by a lot of coaches just because I listened a lot, mm, kind of had mm-hmm. to, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't getting by on my natural athletic talent. Um, but, uh, I, I've been very fortunate where, um, I, you know, like I said, my, I think my parents have been a, a massive influence when it's only your parents and your sister with you all the time. I think you learn mm-hmm. so much from them and, and you take on yeah. so much, but, uh, going through my high school, I, I, I joke with people all the time. And, and I know this sounds a little bit weird, but I've had this, a bit of a Forrest Gump life. Um, and what I mean, what I <laughs> sounds mean like it is, based off the walking into a gym and rebounding thing, <laughs> quite literally. Yes. And, and I've been thinking, like, I've thought about it a lot because people ask me when you're a coach, right? Like when you're at dinner or when everything, people want to talk about a lot of the time, the more interesting or unique job, 
Mm. So you end up get like, oh, I coach women's basketball in the university. Like, really? What is that? Like, and yeah, they always yeah. ask, right? And um, it, so with this Forrest Gump life, it's one of the things that he did in the movie that I always appreciated was how genuine, earnest, 100% he was into everything he did. Mm. It was like football. Take the ball. Mm. Go for it. Yeah. All it was right, like so literal. Just go for it. <laughs> yeah, Just, yeah. you know, and. And there was never, why would I do that? Or mm. there was never a, that may not look cool. That was, and that's just never been me. I've always been the like, Hey, do you think you can do this? Yeah, sure. No problem. Let's go. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think, I think because of that, I've ended up in some really unique situations and I've been able to take away so much from yeah. those unique situations because I've always just been all in on yeah, everything yeah. that I've ever done. And That's interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, that, that was pretty unique, but like, because of that, I've also searched out those people in my life. Mm -hmm. So even you might even remember the name, Les Berry, mm -hmm. um, who was a coach at Brandon was a coach mm -hmm. at Acadia. He was actually my ninth grade club coach. No way. <laughs> oh yeah. No. And but like, I, I distinctly remember probably, I don't know, like nine or 10 things he specifically taught me. And then I moved on. Um, Andrew and Anthony McNeil were my high school coaches who played at Mount St. Vincent under actually Rick Plato, who's now the head coach at Dow. Mm. And so I had them to kind of learn from and take a little bit from. And then I was at Queens. And but um, it, so I think I think the, the mentorship really came down to just being willing and listen. Yeah. Like just be around, be in the gym. When coach says, Oh, I'm running an extra practice. When coach says, Oh, do you want to come in and work with someone? It was just like, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that totally makes sense. I think that, yeah, yeah, there, there are a few, there's, there's obviously many different types of people, but you know, one of the, the personas that I see are the one that you're explaining, right? That's like, you're almost seeking that stuff out all the time. And then there's the other people who are kind of more coy, but then they need that uh, mentor to kind of, grab them and say, hey, come on, like, come with me, like, you're doing this. And then eventually, oh, yeah, I can do this, right? Um, so you had mentioned, though, you you obviously played at Queens, but, you know, you're traveling around everywhere. So where did you go to high school? I went to high school in Nova Scotia at Sackville okay. High. Okay. Um, and I'm trying to think people, uh, people, you know, Steve Bauer went to mm -hmm. Sackville High and who he works with the Canadian Women's National Team. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure you had her on Joanne Wells. Mm-hmm. You had her on the podcast, correct? Yep, yep. Her and I were high school mates. We were, oh, in, the same, we were in the same grade. And oh, we man. We were high at the exact same time. No way. Yeah, 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 she, yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. Oh, Tanya uh, McKay went to high Tanya, school. Of course. Went to Sapphire. Yeah, I was yeah, just going to so. say, I was just going to yeah. say, yeah, yeah. That, well, okay, so this is now, this is such an interesting thing. So um, getting back to, there's a little bit of a tangent, but um, you had mentioned the traveling. And then I told the story about how, you know, no matter where you travel, if you play basketball, you can yeah. find kind of like a group, even if you don't even speak the same language. So another thing that I noticed by this, and I'm sure you've had tons of experiences like this, we're having one right now, by the way, is you, you don't think you know somebody. But you, but because of the basketball community, you're actually only one person away from knowing that person. So like, I could not, I don't know you. I obviously, I know you now, but like, I could have met you anywhere. And then like, oh yeah, Tanya and Joanne, like, oh yeah, yeah, of course I know them. Right. And so you're one person away. Um, I always think, say like the basketball community is so small, like, you know, once you're up to a certain level of it, you know, you're like two, one to two people away from NBA players, literally like, and coaches. Right. Cause I know it's, it's, it's so it's, it is a very, small community. And so I'm, I'm sure you've had those types of experiences. Hey, where you're like, Hey, Oh, like I know so many, person. I joke basketball makes the world so small. Like, yes. It is incredible. Yes. So I have, I have two, like, so this is what I do with the team story time with James. 
Okay. Um, uh, I have two really good ones, like really, really good ones. Uh, and so when I, when I first came back, I was at the Royal Military College. Um, and then after the Royal Military College, unfortunately, uh, canceled its program, we moved, I, I moved to Queens. And while at Queens, I would still had a lot of my connections in the UK, of course. Mm-hmm. And so we would, I would constantly have like friends and, and close friends reaching out to me being like, oh, I have a player for you. And, and at Queens, we didn't have an international waiver, so we couldn't work that out. Mm-hmm. But one of the emails I got was, you know, Coach James, I never be called Coach James, call me James, that's easy. Uh, but it was Coach James, you won't remember me, but I remember you. Okay. I, came, I came to every one of, I came to every one of your club games from this time to this time, it was two years when I was in England. And it was because Rahana Khalil, who played for me, uh, who was from Manchester, was kind of her, her, her it person, yeah. that person yeah. she wanted to be. So she traveled an hour every Saturday to come watch us play in an hour home. Mm-hmm. I'm now of university age and I want to come play for you. No way. I swear <laughs> to God, that is wow. what happened. And it was wow. such a, she was seven or whatever, whatever wow. it was, and it was nine years later, and she's like, I'm now getting close to university, and I want to come play. That's crazy. So it was so weird, like a seven-year-old in the crowd in a game in Manchester is reaching out to me saying, I watched you coach, and now that's, blah, blah, blah. It that's was, wild. Yeah, and now number two. Um, so when I was working with the uh, U18, U20, again, I was very much a volunteer person where mm-hmm. someone goes, I'm driving to go watch this t- training camp or i know you're working with u18 kids yep. if you want to come with me you can come with sure no problem i'll be there let's go let's go and i'm very fortunate i have an understanding wife who totally appreciates this and lets me do all these fantastic things so we get there we're going through some of the breakdown of what like the u20 program is going to be about and how we're going to coach and and how i did a lot of uh regional stuff Mm-hmm. So I was kind of there as an associate during the actual practices. But then when they got, um, when everyone went home, the people who were in my region, I worked with individually. And uh, anyways, we had a chance. It was during the men's Great Britain training camp leading into the 2012 Olympics. And you know who the great, the two coaches for the Great Britain men's team were? No, who are they? The head coach is Chris Finch. Okay. Now the head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves and mm-hmm. the assistant coach was Nick Nurse, the head coach of the Toronto. No way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I'm sitting on the sideline and they're running through their practice and everything else. And then Chris goes to, uh, goes to work with the the, the men's team or work with the staff and Nick Nurse stays extra time and runs a shooting clinic for all the coaches who came to watch practice and probably stayed for an hour longer than he was meant to stay sat there and answered questions, sat there. And he kind of took us through his journey of how he was, you know, a player in Iowa and then yeah. how he made it to England as a player and then became a player coach. And so speaking of you're only one step away from an NBA, you know, an NBA player, an NBA coach, you know, you never know when you're going to be on the floor, you're going to be able to yep. learn from. And that was quite literally me, me being like, hey, I'll jump in the backseat. And I end up there, I end up being, you know, and, and being like courtside. Yeah. watching two NBA coaches work. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, I, I love hearing basketball stories. And I love those types of stories, right? Because it's like, yeah. you just, you just, you just never know. But I think that's, that speaks to, because I've heard this from other people um, as advice to coaches. It's just like, and one of the, I think Kirby Shep maybe gave the advice. It was just like, just sit and you're young, just say yes to everything. Yeah. 
just everything. Like, cause if you really want to go into it and you you should be trying to learn and just maximize not only your interactions with people so you can learn more, but just like you're growing your network as well. And then, like you said, like, whether it be a player that was seven watching you play, like if you're not coaching that team, there's all these things, if you're going to, it's all, and it gets kind of gets back to your point too. It's like, you know, the Forrest Gump of it all. It's like, just go all in. So just say yes to everything. Hey, you want to come to this, uh, you know, top in the back? Yeah, sure. I guess. Yeah. Why not? Like, sounds, sounds cool. And yeah. <laughs> I actually, well, the, the crazy one is like, that's kind of where my, like I, I put in quotation marks, my professional career kind of started. So mm-hmm. basically um, I start working with the, the Carlo program over the summer and, and working with the, the women there. And um, my, my wife gets into a master's program in Le- at, at Leeds Met in England. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, hand on my heart, I sent an email to the local club and said, Hey, look, I'm coming over. I've been working with this program. I played, you know, put played in quotation marks. Um, yeah. I was on a team for a university for three years. Um, and I, I just want to help. Like, I just, I want to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And so he reaches back at Matt Newby, like, geez, I probably owe a lot of what I, what I've done, you know, to, to his, his, uh, help assistance, whatever. And, um, he goes, well, I, I, coach at five-star basketball, which is a big camp in the States. One of the first Mm -hmm. kind of real big camps. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I have a few friends who are actually going to be in Pittsburgh where I was going to school and go work at five-star. They'll give me feedback and then we'll see what we can do. And so that was the first time I ever went to five-star basketball camp. He hooked me up with a few, you know, kind of old, old heads at the camp. And um, I think three days into the camp, one of the, one of the camp leads calls him in England and goes, kids got hustle, kids willing to work, like you should go for it. And we were at the lunch table and that was, you know, and, and that was the first job and Matt goes fine. Then if they, if they sign off, come see me when you arrive and let's get it on. Like, let's get going. Yeah. And, and, uh, it was so unique that, so I spent the whole summer working for five-star basketball and, uh, one of the people, this is just crazy was a grad assistant at, I want to say it was Emerson College college Mm -hmm. and him and I connect and I go, Hey, great. Like, um, you know, we should stay in touch. Like we get along. He, he was a little younger than me, I think. Mm -hmm. And so anyways, I go to England and then we start bringing across American players. I know it's a long story, but I promise (laughs) we're coming across. We, we burn across. So I reach out to him and say, Hey, look, you know, you, you, you have a good program. If you have any, you have any guys who want to come across and, and do their masters and play for our play for our division one team. Like we'd love to do it. And we never end up getting a player across from him. And six, seven years later, I'm in a hotel room and the Cavs announced their new GM, Kobe. Al- <laughs> no way. I swear to you, I go into oh. my Hotmail account and show my wife. I'm like, these are the emails from Kobe Altman that he yeah. and I exchanged like eight years ago about trying to bring players across. Wow. And that was the only reason he was there was the exact same reason I was there. He was there to coach. He was there to make, you know, to make friends, to, mm-hmm. to see the thing. And then he ends up with, you know, USA basketball yeah. and probably yeah. never remembers meeting me or anything. <laughs> like, like it, it just shows that like, you know, how far you can go in a mat in yeah. a short period of time. If, yeah. if you're willing to just be there. For sure. For sure. It's those opportunities. Um, so, any, so yeah, so I kind of, we got to this because I, mentioned you know i said you played at queens and i said where'd you go to high school we went on a tangent which is fine um but interestingly on the on the topic of that i never thought about that we were talking about connections and all that stuff but so i think i've interviewed you the fourth 
you know, Brandon Bobcat connection that I've interviewed or Brandon connection. But now it's interesting because the Nova Scotia connection is coming in, mm-hmm. which is wild. It's such a wild thing. Um, yep. So you, you played all your, like your full high school, three years? Full there? high school. Yeah. Full high school at Sackville High. Okay. And then after that, so like you, you played at Queens. Was that one of those, hey, I walked on. Did you get recruited? What was that like? What was the transition? Very much a walk on. Again, going back to Forrest Gump. Um, I actually, <laughs> I, my, my father was posted my last year of grade 12. And okay. so basically the plan was uh, my sister would stay back and go to school and keep going to school. And then I would come with my parents. Uh, I would come with my parents and do my grade 13 year because it's when they still had OAC in, in Ontario. So I was like, hey, I need I need extra help anyways. I got hurt my grade 12 year. So let's see if I can come back and play. My mm. dad goes, well, there's this good school in Kingston. Just apply. Who knows? So I apply and I don't get in. So I'm like, <laughs> OK, no problem. Great. Grade 13. Here I go. More high school basketball. Yeah. And we arrive at the new house and there's all this welcome to welcome to Queens admittance stuff. So I drive that day to Queens and they go, oh, upon review, we sent the wrong letter to three people. (laughs) You have you have four days to decide if you're coming to school here. (laughs) And so that day I walked in the coach's office and said, you know what? I just got accepted. I'm thinking of walking on. Um, But that decision disappeared because my dad said you got into one of the best schools in the country you're going. So (laughs) so it was just basically it was uh, I was. That would have been July, beginning of July. And then from that point on, I was all in. All right, I'm going to walk on. Let's go. Wow. That's, that's, that's so weird. I figured it was going to be something like that. <laughs> I was like, this is part, like you said, and then you obviously said you prefaced it like, hey, here's another Forrest Gump moment. I just, yeah, just go absolutely. with the flow. Just go with the flow. But like, even then, um, you know, then I made my connection with Chris Oliver and and yeah. I, I played on Ollie's first first head coaching team and and everything, which is been a weird 20 year relationship as well so it's it's so weird because it's like I know this is what's going to come from this interview and the story because I always try to like recap okay like well what can people take from this and I already know like sometimes we get paralyzed with fear Mm -hmm. uh and making decisions and 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 people like that tend to just like look just just go here just go just do something right like they'll never get started with something because they feel like they have to do it perfectly or they're scared they don't think they're good enough and, and again, not everyone is like you where they just do it. But I think that's what someone who isn't like you can take from it. It's like, you know what? It's going to be okay. As long as I go all in on what I'm doing, like the, the results that are going to come from it are going to give me something, right? Like something is going to come from this. It's when I'm hesitant or I don't commit myself to something where nothing happens because there's, there's no, you're not moving. You're just like, you're like kind of stuck. Um, this is interesting. It's interesting. I've never, I've never actually, I mean, you're the first person in the interview that's, I mean, not really, there's been other people. Let me, let me take that back. There's been other people who have kind of been, you know, they, they're now college coaches, but it's not the way that your story is, you know, it's usually they have a mentor and then they say, you can do this, you know? So, I mean, in saying, in saying all that, I mean, the next question is, I mean, you kind of mentioned a cruise and then you walked into a gym. How did you get into coaching college? Was that the story? Is that how you started? Quite literally, I walked in the gym, started doing that. Um, I was very fortunate. Like the players who were there were very accepting and everything else. I think I listened. We talked about the ringer and Bill Simmons. He has this he has this idea that every basketball team needs someone with crazy, irrational confidence. (laughs) Irrational confidence guy. Yeah. 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 And I think from a coaching point of view, for whatever reason. At a young age, I had this crazy confidence, but like I joke, it has a lot more to do with the fact of 
throughout my basketball career, I watched so much basketball from the bench mm. that I learned, you know, like I learned so much of what I don't want to be or what I don't want to do. So then when I kind of stepped into the coaching realm, it was like, it felt just natural. It felt mm-hmm. like, well, I've been doing this. My, I like, I understand, or I felt like I understood it. I'm mm-hmm. sure my coaches at the time didn't understand <laughs> anything, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, no. So then, so basically the next day, uh, that player goes, can I bring someone else? Sure. No problem. Uh, by the end of that week or, or the following week, the head coach of the actual team calls me and said, I heard you've been working with my player. <laughs> <laughs> and so he said it was, it was an NAIA school. Yeah. So it, not like he was a full-time, full-time coach. And he just said, you know, do you want to work with them this summer? And so I coached in the, in the, it was one of the few coaches in the Pittsburgh. It was kind of like the, the women's league there in the South yeah. side, but like here I was coaching NAI players and, and, and I was talking with the other teams or talking with the other players like, Oh, she's going to Kentucky. She's going to pit. She's going yeah. to, I'm like, all right, this is going to be interesting. So I, I had a chance to kind of, you know, throw, get thrown into the fire right away. And so (laughs) after that, there was only two years that I didn't coach. So while I, after that summer, I stopped coaching because I was doing my master's and my teaching certification at the same time. Not a good Mm -hmm. idea. Uh, So I didn't coach then. I've heard that from a few people, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, not a good idea. Um, And then uh, I did, then COVID. Yeah. But besides that, I, I think I went 14 years straight working 100 hours a week or more. So. Wow. And, and, and I'm sure loving every minute of it, not every minute, but loving the, pro- loving the process. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I love it. So I want to kind of speak a little bit about your process, kind of dig in a little bit more um, with regards to now we're talking you as coach um, you had mentioned, you know, I don't know if that's something you share with your players like story time, but mm-hmm. you know, that's that I'm sure if, if that's something you do is part of building a culture. Right. Um, and I think like the coach, you know, this is, I mean, this is obvious when you say it, but sometimes I think coaches forget this or you lose track or when you're learning how to coach, maybe you don't understand it is what I mean to say is that it's, it's your job to essentially build the culture, right? Establish certain values, um, uh, routines and, and systems that are going to help, you know, all the players um, and help your team as a result of that. Right. So what are some of the strategies uh, or tricks or things that you use to build culture with your team? I would say that the, the number one thing we need um, at any point in time as people um, is a why. Mm. Like, why are we doing this? Because mm. it, ultimately, if you have no why or if your why is soft or weak in those moments of challenge, in the moments of, of um, conflict, in the, in the moments of failure, whatever, mm-hmm. that self-confidence disintegrates your drive descent because you're like, oh, why am I really doing this? Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you're, mm-hmm. if you're put um, my, one of my uh, old coaches who would definitely be considered a mentor. And I should have mentioned, I apologize to him is Dave <laughs> Wilson, 40 years of coaching in university basketball in Canada. The guy's, the guy's a, a legend and, and like an encyclopedia of knowledge of coaching. Mm-hmm. And Dave used to joke. It's a, I, I have upped it now, but he used to call it the $10,000 rule. If there's $10,000 on the other end of the gym, how fast are you running? And like, <laughs> when you, when you think you can't go anymore. And I say, if you do 10 more reps, you get $10,000. I've upped it to a hundred because you know, 10 grand with inflation, yeah. not yeah. as much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like all we're really talking about is motivation. Right. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and so there are certain times I remember puzzle pieces in my life just fitting in perfectly. And I created my own personal why. 
And my own personal why um, is to get better mentally, physically, emotionally every single day. And what that truly means, and again, it's drilling down on it, is mentally means at the end of the day, I hope to understand something a little bit better than I did at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Physically, I want to do something better than I did mm -hmm. at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then emotionally, I want to be able to deal with something better at the end of the day than mm -hmm. I did at the beginning of the day. At the end of the day, if you can say I've done those three things, like that's an amazing day. Like that Absolutely. is what you want to do. So if I can build down or like, or build up, depending upon if you want to look at it as a foundational mm -hmm. uh, thought is, well, okay, if that's my why, then how does this bleed into basketball? Mm -hmm. So what are, at the end of the day or at the end of a practice, what are players going to understand better, deal with better, do better? Um, and then we do the exact same thing, offense and, offense and defense as well, right? Defensively, what's your goal? Your goal is to, an acronym I created called ADD. Your goal is to annoy, deflect, disrupt. Annoy the person you're guarding, deflect the ball as much as possible, disrupt what the offense wants to do. Mm. Um, so we have done those to drill down on it. So ultimately, um, when everything gets difficult, I'm hoping my players will, will have a why like in their chest mm -hmm. that answers the questions, not a why in their brain. Mm. Because we all know the heart starts beating fast. Stuff gets getting yep. tough. You get elbowed in the face. Brain shuts down. Heart takes over. Yep. Yeah. And so that's that's really where our culture piece is, is is what are we going to tap into that that will connect inside rather than just in their head? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. That's that's great. I think you make a great point just around the idea that it's, it's one thing to understand it, like in a literal sense, like this is my why and write it down and say it. It's yeah. a whole other thing to feel it. Um, and, and that's like, again, like you just said, it's like, yes, we want um, our players and, and just the people generally in those tough times to have composure and all that, but emotions will come. And then it's our job to kind of deal with those and acknowledge them. But through that process, if you're grounded in that and in, in, in what your whys are, you're not necessarily going to stray too far. Right. Um, and you're going to have better control to kind of maintain some of those outcomes that you're looking for. I love that. That's, that's, that's really good. I only I really only had that one question about culture. We're not going to get into a whole deep basketball conversation. Again, it's more, more of the story. Um, I do want to, sorry, ahead. could I jump no. in? I was going to say, yeah. and like I said, there's little moments in your life that you kind of remember. And it kind of, uh, here I've had the opportunity to coach some amazing athletes, amazing people. Like I, mm -hmm. I like rattle off people who are able to go to the Olympics and people who are, uh, like, I, I always try to bring up like specific people because I think they need to be recognized. And one mm -hmm. is Sophie, De, Sophie De Goody, who uh, was a player who played for me at Queens, uh, just finished probably one of the greatest athletic careers in U sports history. So she came to Queens mm -hmm. was national rugby player, the rookie of the year. Okay. She graduated as national rugby player of the year was an OUA all-star in basketball, played rugby and basketball all five years. Wow. She was the most amazing, but like working around those people, you realize something. And it, it's really funny that the, the story that I tell about that is actually from when I was in high school. And it was a gym teacher who said it to me and we were doing the 12 minute run. I don't know if you have to do this in physical education in school or not. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a kid in our gym class who ran so hard he threw up and we were all being, you know, silly guys. Yeah. Why are you trying so hard? This is silly. What are you doing? And I'll never forget my, my high school gym teacher, Pat Dunphy looks at it. He goes, sometimes people don't know how to give less than a hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and that like solidified in my brain, like yeah. opened my eyes, just like, dang, okay. And then every time I've met one of these exceptional people, that's exactly who they were. Yeah. They did not know how to give less than everything. Yeah. 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 And so that's kind of, yeah, that was where, you know. Well, so again, I've heard different versions of this kind of like thing, and it always. <laughs> Shout out to my buddy. Uh, you know, he he embodies essentially this, right? Very much like you, but just like you know, just just goes hard all the time. Um, and uh, he always brings me back to this movie. It's uh, Higher Learning. I don't know if you remember this movie. And I Lawrence do know Fish- that movie yeah, really so, well. Yeah. yeah. So Lawrence Fishburne's talking to uh, forget what his name. I don't forget all the people's names in it, but um, anyways, the guy's a track star, and he goes to him. He's like, I think is Mr. Williams. He calls him Mr. Williams. He's like, uh, you know, what do you? Um, you know, you're, you're racing somebody and they're faster than you. Like, what are you going to do? And he's like, well, I'm just going to run fast. And he's like, no, no, but like they're faster than you. So what are you going to do? And he gets him to, to the point of like realizing he's like, well, I'm going to run faster. And he's like, ah, and they have this aha moment. It's like, so you have been holding back essentially, right? Like you're not going hundred percent all the time, right? You only do that when you feel like you need to, but if you, you know, if, if that's your approach to things, then you're going to be missing coming up short in so many areas, right? Because you can't just turn that off and on. It's like either you're going, and this is, I mean, again, it gets back to what you're saying. Like either you're just going all in on something. It might, like you said at the beginning, you might look stupid. uh, You might not know what you're doing. It doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, if you're deciding to do it, go and do it, look stupid, make the mistakes, but that's going to be a better outcome because now when you have the skills and and you're going all in, boom, that's where the magic happens, right? Absolutely. yeah, so you totally just reminded me of, of, of that uh, that moment. So, um, okay, so we're we're getting close to the end here. I have a, a few questions um, to wrap us up here. I think we got four. So, most memorable basketball story. Now, this is any story you want to tell. I mean, you obviously have so much basketball. Like you're you're playing, you're coaching, you're whatever story that you feel is one of your most memorable. I'm sure you have a few, um, but something that comes to mind when I when I say that. So many. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's the story that I tell that that explains why my wife and I belong together. Okay. Uh, so so speaking of going all in, my time in my time in Leeds was was amazing, fantastic as well. We were in the UK, mm-hmm. uh, but also just a lot. So yeah. I was substitute I was uh, substitute teaching to kind of. Uh, help pay for our, you know, our lifestyle and everything else. And then I was coaching three teams and doing all that kind of stuff. So any, anyways, we end up going to the university finals and we had to actually end up playing Damian Jennings team, Uick, who's now the head coach of Calgary. So him and I had been coached against each other a long time ago. (laughs) There you go. Uh, And anyways, it was a back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We lose the game by one Mm -hmm. on a bank shot that rolls out. So national championship gone. Wow. We go into the locker room, everyone's crying, everyone realizes like opportunity missed and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I walk out of the I walk out of the change room and I just walk over to my wife, waiting to just I just need a hug. I'm ready to go. And she looks me dead in the eye. And with as much caring, but like intensity as possible, she goes, We didn't come here to lose. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But the reason the reason I know it's I reason I know it was she was one I she was she was reminding me that like we put a lot of work into this keep mm-hmm. pushing yeah. it, this yeah. isn't an all for loss this isn't a understand something this is something that we can get better at and we're under control yeah. the other thing i always say the reason we, is she cared as much as i did 
Yeah. Like yeah. she was just there for it. And, yeah. and I think that's my most memorable because it was that one moment of connection where, you know, like two people kind of come together yeah. and you're just like, I feel what you feel, you feel yeah. what I feel and that's it. And, and if anything, that's something that basketball brought to her and I together. So. Wow. Yeah. That complete, that moment of complete, just, I get it. I get you, you get moved. We feel exactly the same and this is it. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Wow. I was like surprised when you said that. She's like, <laughs> I was like, damn. It's like, <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Yeah. She um, was also the one I'm not, I'm not lying. She was also the one that when we were there, we were trying to build up our fan base. Yeah. So she went out and made, I think it was 20 or 25 t-shirts that said Carnegie cluster. And we started naming our fan group wow. and she would bring them, hand them out and then get them back and wash them during the week. And then, no hand them out during the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, so she was wow. yeah, all well, she, in. She's all in. in. That's awesome. Yeah, I love yeah. hearing that. I love hearing that. Um, okay. So next question is your most memorable player or teammate. I mean, you probably coach way more people than you played with but someone who stands out and I always I always preface this to like it doesn't have to be the, like the best player just someone who's memorable like for whatever reason I I it, I'm sure every coach says this and I, I've definitely heard all the other coaches say how yeah. you know how many memorable players are yeah. uh, I would say from a someone I played with point of view it's without a doubt Will Featherston huh so he, I know that's a long last, I think 14 letters in that last name. Um, Will was one of the first people I met when I got to Queens. Uh, mm -hmm. Him and I showed up to, so I went to my coach's office. I went to Coach Mason's office, said, I want to try out. He goes, we have an open run today. Come to it. Mm -hmm. And I met Will there the very first day. And ironically, I played behind him for the three years that I was, and we did the exact same things. And he was just a little bit better than me at yeah. everything that we did. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we made a connection because it was someone who loved basketball as much as me, mm -hmm. um, but someone who knew how to work more efficiently, harder, whatever. And I think I kind of just attached myself to him because he could do all the things that I did well, but better. Yeah. And then he knew things that I didn't know. Mm. Um, and I was just, I've always been so uh, drawn to people who have knowledge or skills that I don't have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so this has been the connection that, him and I played together, him and I stayed in contact. Whenever I have a coaching or a basketball question, him and I just connect. And mm -hmm. to the point that when I came back to RMC, uh, him and I got together uh, over pizza and I was just, I offered him the job on the spot. Like, you got to join me, let's go. So yeah. he jumped on board with that staff. <laughs> um, yeah, literally had never coached before. And so him and I have been like in the weeds, like won our first game, lost our next 43 <laughs> uh, so we've been in it together so he's nice. my stats guru he's my sounding board nice so nice. probably yeah he's my dude i love it i love yeah. it that's hey, he great was also i will point out we we had a 253 shooting drill that we would run so you shoot yeah. 253s in various ways and so i finish it. it was the greatest day of my life i'm like what'd you get will and he's like what'd you get first i'm like two i think it was 207 or 213 yeah. And I was like, yeah, 213 of 250. Like, oh, come on. And I was like, what about you? And he looks at me and he goes, 223. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, dang it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you didn't always but a step ahead. <laughs> always that step ahead. But I, I loved it. I, I think those connections that you get in the gym when you're sweating with someone oh, is man. Just, just awesome. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely.
those are those are spe- those are really special moments people who know when you know if you've experienced that you just know it's yeah, yeah. and then you and like the guy that my buddy that i mentioned before we had many moments like that right it's just always special there's always yeah. like a certain bond especially when you when you're just work like i said you're sweating you're working really hard and then you're like pushing each other well yeah. and you remember like you know no ac in gyms you're mopping <laughs> yeah. the floor halfway through the workout because it's Good, sweating it's, yeah 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 like yeah. And we yeah we and it was just he was in town because he was from near kingston and i was in kingston so it was like every summer together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gave it. so yeah, yeah. No, it was a really really kind of special relationship to me that's awesome. Um, okay, funniest basketball story. Can be anywhere. It can Ooh. be on the bus. It can be. It doesn't have to necessarily be on the court. It can be just anything. I we have a, a lot of, as you know. There's a lot of great stories that you would never tell in person. Of course, in, in of public. Course. And I, uh, <laughs> I will tell this one. It was as a player, uh, and it was fantastic. Um, we were playing at Ryerson in the old Ryerson gym, Kerr Hall. And their point guard was leading the country in scoring. Rip someone, like pick on one side, go get the ball on the other. And it was a late whistle on a steal. And he was already at half. And you could see like 6'1 dude ready to just rise on someone. And they blow a whistle. So he gets really upset and kind of spins around with the ball, almost like a pro hop or something. Yeah, yeah, The ball slips out of his hand. And hits his head coach square in the face. Oh, hard. The coach's glasses fly off. (laughs) And the button on the story is the referee tees him up for throwing the ball. And the coach starts arguing the technical while his glasses are on the ground and his like, eyes are watering and the coach starts screaming about the technical foul it was just hit me he didn't mean to and it was just such a yeah wow did the coach get did they tee, they didn't tee the coach up did they, they didn't tee the coach okay. up but they okay. kept the tee on the player but yeah okay grilled him in the face with a ball and it was wow. just fantastic yeah i'm sure yeah that, that's a moment right there for sure <laughs> <laughs> it's funny someone else's funny story uh i asked the same thing it was similar but it was uh during the warm-up line and the other team um, you know, the coaches are on that same side and they, and someone whipped the ball and they were, they're bugging him and it hit the other coach like square in the face and they're all just standing there. Right. And this coach is like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> any, any ball, I mean, basketballs to the face are always going to be funny. It's always like, I mean, I do, I do <laughs> actually have, I have a Winnipeg connection to another funny story. If you're Let's hear it. it. Let's hear okay. It. So we were at the Westman classic when I was a player, um, and over Christmas, I'm not sure if they've changed the name or not, but it was the, the men's, men's. This is when you're with, with Queens, right? When like, I was a player yeah. with Queens. Yeah. And on the Saturday night, they had a dunk competition. Mm-hmm. So we were there and it was like us and Sask and Laval and someone else. And the one player pulls his coach out to like mid key and backs up to half, runs up to jump over his coach to dunk on it. Well, he takes off too late or doesn't spread his legs early enough and knees his coach square in the face. Oh, yeah. I remember this. (laughs) Do you remember this? Absolutely. And the coach went sliding back. No one in the crowd knew what to do. (laughs) Anytime that kind of stuff happens, it's... it's, But, okay, so in the moment, you're just like... (laughs) 
but then but yeah it's not funny if you're the person who's getting hit it's not funny if you're the person hitting but like anyone else it's like it's a blooper it's a basketball blooper i'm sorry so it's going to be funny and these are what the (laughs) old days were one of the guys had a handheld camera and was shooting it and so we're after after hours in the hotel we meet in the lobby with a bunch of other players from different teams and we're just watching it on that little handheld camera thing over and over again yeah (laughs) oh man good times it's funny it's, you yeah. you looped in a winnipeg story to yeah, to, to finish it i love it um okay so i always I always ask end the podcast for some advice mm-hmm. um and it's simple i mean you know you've coached so much i mean you've you've kind of been all over you've been on this super long coaching journey that's continuing now so what type of advice would you give to to coaches and you can decide if it's you know what age or if it's just general advice but just coaches um who want to succeed uh you know, if you had a group of coaches, if you're doing a coaching clinic or you had a bunch of young coaches in front of you and, and someone goes, Hey, James, like, you know, what, what, what should I do? You know, what, what do you give me some advice? What, what, what provide, what advice would you provide them? I, I would say, especially young, um, especially when you do have time and, and you never feel like you have time, but you of course do have time. Mm-hmm. Um, make the difficult choice of effort. Mm over, over even opportunity. And Mm. a lot of the, a lot of time people will choose, uh, opportunity over effort. So what that means is they'll, you know, someone will be like, Oh, can you come in and help with this? Mm -hmm. They show up to the opportunity, um, willingly, Mm -hmm. but not with the effort needed or not with the, the, the hundred percent needed. So they'll be there, but they'll be on the sidelines talking with their friends or they'll try to hang out with the, and I saw that it's a lot, like when it, whether it's five-star or you're going to like national coaching conferences and you see people hanging out with them, you know, the more popular, the higher yeah. names and, yeah. and they yeah. want to be in that circle. Yeah. I would always say, you know, make the, make the choice of effort. Like mm. you show up at a coaching clinic, offer to rebound balls, like offer, like ask questions, you know, mm-hmm. I will, I will openly say we're looking at a different style of defense. I reached out to Chris, uh, Chris Oliver. And I, I like mm-hmm. I said, I played for him, but I reached out to him. I was like, Ollie, have you ever seen this? Have you ever seen someone mm-hmm. do this? Is there mm-hmm. a way to, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying everyone should do that. He has a massive following and everything, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, reach out to anyone. Like yeah. I went to, well, I went to the, the quad a, um, quad a provincial finals uh, in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote down one of their press breaks. I was like, Oh, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that would have only worked if that, that, that wouldn't have worked if I wasn't giving effort, if I wasn't mm. paying attention, if I wasn't asking questions, uh, like I was asking questions of a high school coaches, like, why do you do it this way? Like, mm-hmm. what do you, I think that's more effort than it is anything else. Mm. So, so choose, like choose effort. Mm. Uh, and, and then of course, you know, jump on every opportunity, but do it with effort. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That effort over opportunity, like you said, cause it, it, that totally makes sense. You see, you brought the the example up of like, you know, a camp or something and people, you know, they want to hang out or they want to say, Oh, let's go. There's a coach's room. Let's go do that. Where there's games happening. Like, you know, you should be out there now. Again, there is time to network, of but you know, it's, I think that's important effort, effort over opportunity. Mm-hmm. I like that one. Yeah. Did, you, did you make that up, make that I up on the fly? I literally just made that up, but it made sense it. in my head. I was going to say, yeah, that. you might have to write that down and uh, use it. <laughs> that might have to be something you use, effort over opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. You, you you get the, the opportunity through the effort, right? I mean, that's Absolutely. kind of the idea. If the effort's not there, there's less opportunities. 
I will, I will throw this out there to the young coaches, especially I, I will say like how that, how that actually helped me halfway through, like halfway through my first summer at five star, like five star was very much a hierarchy of young coaches. You're doing bed checks. You're doing yeah. early morning workouts. You're yeah. doing this because I did all of that stuff with the amount of effort and enthusiasm that I bring to pretty much everything I do, as you can probably tell my, hopefully my energy is really, um, halfway through it. Like the old heads were the ones pulling me into those conversations. Like those mm. were the guys who were like, yep. Hey, we're going for dinner. It's, you know, 11 o'clock mm-hmm. at night. Like we're going to go have sodas. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other guys got left behind. Mm. I got pulled along. Mm-hmm. And it was because, you know, they, a lot of them like, Oh, you remind me of me when I had energy and yeah, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So I, I think coaches will always respect the person giving it. Yep. And, and so I, I would highly suggest that it's, it's not who's cool enough. It's not who knows the most. It's like, who's willing to put in the work. And yeah. that's what coaches always respect. And I would say that to players as well. Coaches yeah. respect the effort more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Given you shall receive. I love it. I like that. It's a great way to end. Um, Cheers. Yeah. Let's just end it there, James. I appreciate it. It was super, super awesome uh, learning about you. I know uh, uh, I haven't been around Manitoba in a while and obviously there haven't been really many games. So I haven't been to a game in a long time. However, I say all that just to say that when everything resumes and there's, there's opportunity, if I'm in the gym, I'm definitely going to be shouting you out. So you might just hear me yell and and be like that, or I might come up and find you, but um, uh, good luck in in, in uh, adjusting to Manitoba and uh, yes. becoming part of the community. It's a great community. Brand's a great community. The basketball community here in Manitoba is great. And uh, I know that um, I'm sure you've probably made connections already, but um, just as you said, hey, reach out to people. I know there's people that would, you know, that are open to network and talk. And so I'm hoping that you make some really cool connections kind of uh, as the years go on. Cool. Can I add one thing? Absolutely. Uh, awesome. For people who don't know me a lot of the time, uh, two things you'll always get from me, 100% uh, energy and enthusiasm, and then then 100% honesty. So with me saying this, uh, if there are coaches who want to reach out to me, they can email me, they can shoot me like a direct message on Instagram, Mm -hmm. you can do Mm -hmm. any of that kind of stuff. I'm here for it. Like my my background is in in, uh, coach education as well. So I I would love to help people um, in any way possible and uh, come out to games, come support use for basketball, come support yep. OCAA or, or CEA, what, like whatever it is, go enjoy the basketball that you can see. Experiencing mm-hmm. a live event and seeing basketball live, yeah. the amount of times um, people who, who remember what basketball used to be like in Canada mm-hmm. some of the time come mm-hmm. up and go, oh, wow, this is different. Yeah. But the, the greatest compliment I can ever give or I can ever get from people is like, wow, I didn't know university basketball could be this fast, this mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, I didn't know women's basketball is so athletic, so physical. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is, it's nice to see both young boys and girls coming out and watching women's and men's basketball and being like, yep. wow, this is cool. Yep. So please come out, check it out. If you haven't been out, come watch it. It is an amazing brand of basketball. And, and I think, I think we have hidden gems all over the country that people need to kind of discover and enjoy. I agree. I agree. Well said. Uh, We will end it there. Cheers. Great talking. Okay. Awesome. See you guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please like subscribe, follow and share this series and reach out to us with your comments on the show. Thanks again for joining us.